Amen, amen. Good morning, Beacon Hill peeps. How are you doing this morning? Okay, we got a couple people that are excited. That is cool. Happy 4th of July weekend to you. Uh, how many people got off tomorrow? Don't have to go to, go to work tomorrow. Extending it off to Wednesday, that's awesome. Uh, well, this week, uh, this is our first time, our first year uh, being together as a church on the 4th of July weekend. And so we're going to take a break from community groups this week, but we're not going to take a break from being in community. On the July 4th, we're going to meet together um, in Colonial Heights to watch the fireworks. If you want to join us, just go out to that table out there and say, hey, where are you meeting at? I, I think it's over there between the Walmart and El Cap, something like that. So we're meeting out there at six o'clock um, playing corn toss and and having food and all that good stuff. So hope you join us out there. But right now it's time to turn our attention to the Word of God. Um, this summer we've been going through the book of Philippians uh, and we're walking verse by verse through the book of Philippians. So if you have a copy of God's Word, if you would uh, and turn with us now to Philippians chapter two, where we will be studying verses one through 11 this morning. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you today, uh, we have you covered. Just raise your hand and one of the Beacon Hill team members will come and bring a copy of God's Word to you so you can have your own copy. And if you don't have one at home, uh, be our guest and take it home with you as our gift to you. The words will also be coming up on the screen here in just a second. So if you're able to, I invite you to stand in honor of reading God's word this morning as we read Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11. The word of God says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. I thank you for a God who uh, is reachable, uh, a God who desires to have a relationship with the very people that he created. Lord, I thank you for your word that you have given us. Lord, I thank you for the community that is a blessing for being in Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us now, Lord, that I would decrease and you would increase and you would be glorified by everything that is said or done out of my mouth. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we praise you. Amen. You may be seated. I have entitled the message this morning, Reclaiming Joy in the Church. Reclaiming Joy in the Church. I really just want to be blunt with you this morning. Is that all right? Now, I know some of you who know me probably will say that, when have you ever not been blunt, Pastor, right? But I really just want to share with you this week, when I was just writing this sermon, I wanted to share with you what was on my heart when it came to this passage. See, 
I want to speak to you about putting joy back in the church. If you go to the typical church service, it, it looks more like a funeral service than a celebration. It looks like, like uh, it takes, it's like a chore. It is, how many people have ever had to drag their family to church, like kicking and screaming? And that is just your spouses, right? And I'm not even talking about your, your children, which is harder to come into church. And so we see this coming in the American church today. Going to church should not be a burden. It, it's a blessing. It, it should be joy and not joyless. And yet we, we see that the church is recognizing this. And, and so some churches, to try to counteract this, they, they actually try to manufacture joy. They try to manufacture joy in the church. I was in one church down in Atlanta, Georgia, that was playing The Devil Went Down to Georgia right before the service. That was uh, their typical motto. They would play uh, different secular songs before service played. I, I've seen services that have had beach balls going through the church services, Jersey Sundays, and even um, those who hand out Krispy Kreme donuts after service. Now, look, that's not all bad. That's, that's a model. That's called the attractional model. That's just not a, a model for me. And so on one side, you have churches that have... Um, really made following Christ down to following a list of do's and don'ts. And another side, you have people who have made the church so much about throwing a raucous party, and yet sometimes they forget who the party is thrown for. So in short, religion has pushed people away from church, and yet liberalism have affected people understanding the mission of the church. And the result is a country that is trying to find its way back to biblical joy. And when I look at this, when I look at the Bible, you will never find joy by trying to follow every I and T in the Bible, following a list of do's and don'ts. You will not find that joy in there, nor will you find joy by, by, by coming in and just having a party every Sunday. You will only find the joy that you are looking for by having your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the source of joy. When you walk with Christ, you understand that the mission and the purpose of the church is to bring glory to God. And the way that you bring glory to God is by making disciples of all nations. Yet I contend to you this morning that the typical American church is apathetic to the mission of the church. Jesus still changes lives, folks. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus changes lives? Do you, do you believe it's the power of God to save? Do you believe that, that life change is still possible in this community? Do you believe that Jesus is the one that can do that? Man, I think it was Little Raven Hill that said, one day some simple soul is gonna pick up this Bible, believe it, and put us all to shame. If we truly understood the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to change lives, I didn't really understand how bad this had gotten until I attended my first uh, national pastor's conference. I think it was in Baltimore, Maryland. I, I got to, to literally listen to pastor after pastor preach. I got to hear David Platt, who is a phenomenal speaker. I got to hear Rick Warren, uh, those of y'all who've read The Purpose Driven Life, and he gave a testimony about following Christ after the loss of his son. I got to hear Alex and May. As a matter of fact, if you were to uh, relocate preachers to the, the Hollywood A-listers, these would be the A-list of preachers that you would want to hear from. And so 
Every, every single hour, you had a different preacher come and they were just soaking the congregation up with the word of God. And, and these, are, these are mostly pastors. These are thousands of pastors. These are leaders of churches from all over the country and all over the world that are gathered together. And then I just sensed this, this, this apathy that was going on in the, the church and the congregation around us. And I thought, is it just me? I mean, this is my first pastor's conference. Am, am I the only one feeling this way? And then finally, Francis Chan came up. Who's heard of Francis Chan before? Our, our ladies just finished going through a Bible study called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. He, he is just a man of God, and I love listening to him preach. And he came up and he started his, his sermon just like the rest of them did. And he, he, he proclaimed the word of God. And about 10 minutes into the sermon, he just stopped. He, he just stopped. 10 minutes into the sermon, he just stopped and looked out over the, the, the pastors and the church leaders. And he says, you know, I got to tell you, I just, I'm looking at you and I, I feel like you could care less. Like, I like, like there is such an apathetic uh, feel in this room that I feel like you could care less about hearing the word of God. It's like this glaze looking over your face. And I'm like, he's really saying this right now. Like if you want to get invited back to a pastor's conference, this is not the way to do it. And he's saying this and he goes, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't felt this type of apathy in, in any place that I've ever preached before. Well, he goes, yeah, I did. I felt this way three years ago. It was the last time I preached to you. He goes, I, I felt the same type of apathy last time I preached to this, this conference. He said, I don't know what you don't understand. He said, Jesus Christ still changes lives. And, and, and I'm sitting here listening to him and I want to just say, preach it, preach it. And I'm listening to him say all these things. And I know that he was right because if we're going to be a body of believers that is going to turn the, the, the town upside down by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to believe in ourselves. We have to believe that it, Jesus can change lives. And yet, when I look at the typical pastor of a church, they're so burdened, they're so beat down. And I don't believe that they started this way. I believe that a lot of them started on fire for Jesus and wanting to, to knock down the walls and, and turn back hell, the towns that they had been planted in. And yet I see a typical church just fighting for joy, like, like wanting to find that joy in Christ. And we look in this passage in Philippians chapter two, I believe Paul is speaking to the church here because he understands that that, oh, they, they started on fire. They started on the right track. They're starting to, to have to fight for joy. They're starting to have some hiccups in, in the church. And he's trying to exhort them to, to stay on mission for Christ and let them know that, that having hiccups in the church and, and going through ups and downs are going to come with, with being people that are on mission for Christ. He had heard of possible divisions in the church. Matter of fact, when you look at the beginning of Philippians chapter three and the beginning of Philippians chapter four, you see some of the divisions that are starting to take place in the church. In Philippians chapter three, Paul is speaking to false teachers in the church. He's speaking about how false teachers had, had come up in from uh, not even within, but, but throughout the community. And I, and I tell you, this happens today. Whenever there's biblical preaching that's happening, there will be false teaching that will sprout up and, and the flavor of the month church will, will take people away. 
When you look at Psalm 23, you, you see a little bit of this happening right here. When you see Psalm 23, they, they, a lot of times in the Bible, the typical uh, church member is compared to sheep. And, and sheep weren't the, the smartest people, <laughs> smartest animals out the bunch. And, and yet you see that sheep, when they get fed, they'll, they'll eat what's in front of them. And, and when the shepherd is shepherding them, they, they, they're feeding them the grass. They're putting them beside still waters. But yet as sheep start to eat, Eventually, they don't look up and they keep eating and they never even realize when the grass turns from green to brown and they start getting sick. And when they start having troubles, they look up and they can't even find their way back home. And I'm telling you, that's what's happening to the church. The church is eating whatever's in front of them and not looking for where the grass is green and the waters are going to restore their soul. Paul is saying, look, there's false teaching that's going to come up around you but you need to stay focused to the word of God. He also says in Philippians chapter four that there's gonna be disagreements in the church. He speaks to two ladies that are having an argument and it's not a, a biblical argument because if it's a biblical argument that they were having, then Paul would just rebuke the one who was being unbiblical and tell them to get along. But he's saying, look, I want you to get along. I want you to agree for the sake of Christ. I have been to countless church business meetings in multiple churches over the years. The one thing that I can say with all certainty is that very few matters that are discussed in a church business meeting is over biblical matters. Most matters that are argued, matter of fact, not most, all matters that I've ever personally witnessed in a church have been over personal preference and not biblical mandate. I have seen fights, not just over style of music, but I've seen divisions in the church come over literally what color the carpet is, where pews should be located, and I've actually seen a church split over where furniture should be placed in the church and how many TVs should be bought. When you look at this, this Satan doesn't have to do much because we're tearing the church up ourselves. These divisions now and then are sad, but they're very real and they disrupt the focus of the church. The church today tries to solve it by having committees, but when I look at the Bible, I don't see committees that are formed in the Bible. The only time that I see committees in the Bible is when people are brought together to serve the needs of the community and to fulfill the mission of the church. This is what we see in the Bible. And so Paul understands this is starting to take place in the church. And so he tells them to remember the blessings of being in Christ, to remind them that it's going to take work for the church to stay on mission for Christ. And then he tells them to remember their example of the sacrifice and he is Jesus Christ. I think if we remember these three things and put them into practice, then we can be a church that is really going to make an impact for this community. When we look at the beginning of Philippians chapter two, Paul tells us of the blessings of being in Christ. Philippians chapter two, verse one, he says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, I actually love how the message Bible actually says this passage. He says, if you've gotten anything at all from following Christ, then do these things. This is, what, this is what it's talking about. Has Christ made a difference in your life? The first thing that Paul reminds them of is the love of Christ. I don't know about you, but when I remember, when I think about the love of Christ, there are times in my life that I find it hard to love myself. 
There, there are things that I have done in my life that, that I have trouble forgiving myself of. Anybody like that? Like you've done things in your life that, that you can't believe that anyone would possibly forgive you of. And then you remember the love of Christ who for, not only forgave you, he forgot. Isaiah 118, although your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. When we remember the, the love of Christ. Remember, when, when we're down to nothing, when, when we feel like the world doesn't love us, that, that we're at times in our life when we feel like taking our lives, we remember that Christ still loves us and his plan is bigger than what we're going through. He says, remember the blessings of his love. And then he says, remember the blessings of community. The fact that we're even gathered to here today is because of the blood of the lamb. The fact that we're able to come together in community today and worship together is because of Jesus Christ. Because I highly doubt that all of us would be gathered together just to be together today. We come from different walks of life. We come from different cultural places. We come from, from different places of living. And yet God has brought us together here in community. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not forsake the assembling of believers as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but I need the encouragement that comes from being in community in Christ. If I miss a week of church, I, I miss it. I need it. I'm a sinner. I need to be around other Christians. And this is what Acts chapter 2 is all about. We see the church coming together and praying together and studying together and breaking bread together and, and giving as each had need. And yet I didn't understand what a blessing the community of Christ was about until my family went through a crisis of our own. We went through a crisis and, and, and I really felt like I was being kicked in the stomach time after time again. And I was down to nothing. And when I felt like I couldn't possibly get through the next moment, you know what? the church stepped up and lifted and held our arms up. When we couldn't do it, the church came and gave us support. They prayed over us. I didn't realize the blessings of community until I went through something like that. It was a blessing for us to be able to be together. Paul says, remember his love, remember the community. And he says also, remember the blessings of sharing his love. This word, any affection and sympathy, we, we, we know that we are not saved by works, but we're saved to do works. When we remember the love of Christ, the, the blessings of being in community, our eyes get open to the community around us. We look at Hopewell, and, and this morning I was just in a prayer meeting with one of our prayer partners, and she was just telling me, man, Hopewell, I, I see people that I want to reach. Oh, I see people that I believe should be here. As a matter of fact, here's the key test of how much the Holy Spirit is working on your life. Is what she said in the middle of a prayer. We desire for people to know Christ so much in this town that it doesn't matter if they find Christ in this church or not as long as they find Christ. Do you want people to know the love of Christ? Do you want people to have their lives changed by the power of of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul reminds them of the blessings of being in Christ. And then he says that there's work to stay in Christ. Who's ever done an escape room? Has anybody done an escape room here? Like we did an escape room this summer 
Matter of fact, our student ministry did an escape room this summer. And it's a, it's a popular thing here in the church today, uh, in the community today. And so what you do is you gather together with a group and you're locked in this room and you have to solve um, a, 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 a puzzle or some type of thing. I think we did a detective thing when I was in there and we had to find out who murdered who. But you have an hour to do it. You have an hour to solve this mystery. And at the end of the hour, this uh, fake bomb goes off and everybody dies inside if you, don't, if you don't complete the task. So here's the deal with this. You're gathered together with people that maybe you're friends, but you gathered in a room and you have an hour to solve the task, right? But we're all different personalities. We all handle things a different way. We all think a different way. And so when the guy leaves the door, the room and shuts the door, the hour starts and immediately people go their own way, don't they? I think we took our student ministry in there and some girls sat down and started doing their makeup. You know, some people started saying, what are you doing this weekend? We have one person who's like the John 3:16 guy in golf that's holding up, repent or go to hell. We have everybody that is doing everything, but they're not focused together. And yet here it is, the hour is clicking and when it gets closer, then people start to get serious about doing the task, but then it, it blows up and it's too late. You know, when we look at James chapter four, verse 14, it says, what is life but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes? You know, we only have today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Matter of fact, we're not guaranteed the next second. We're to live for Christ today. When we, when we look at this and we understand that it's so hard to, to keep people on mission for Christ, we need to be reminded of the purpose of this. And Paul tells them what it's gonna take for a church to stay on mission for Christ. They gotta be like-minded. This doesn't mean that everyone's going to look the same, act the same, and do the same. Because unity in a church does not mean uniformity. God has brought each and every single one of us together for a purpose, to, to do his mission, for his work, for his glory. This, this, this uh, like-minded means that we have the attitude of Christ that we have the attitude that, that we're on mission for Christ. And secondly, he talks about having the love. This means that we have the same love. We're going to love one another as Christ loved us. I can tell you, church members aren't the most lovable people at times. Have you ever gotten a disagreement with another church member? Have they done things to upset you? And then sometimes you go, well, I can't believe that person's doing this. I can't believe they're not doing this. But guess what? You're a sinner too. You're not perfect. We all will get on each other's nerves from time to time. But we have to remember that although we treat God like that at times, he still loves us. When we want to stay on mission for Christ, we're reminded that, that we need to love other people, even when they seem to be unlovable, just like Christ loves us. There, there are body of believers to stay on mission for Christ. That is one accord. That means that we are following the Spirit's directions. We are Holy Spirit-led, that, that we are trying to push back the gates of hell. and We're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our steps and to do what we have been called to do, and that we're one mind. We're people on mission to tell people about Jesus, to disciple them and to teach them and to send them so that Hopewell will be turned upside down by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is exhorting the church to do this by saying, you gotta check your egos. You gotta check your priorities. And he says, look, I want to, I want to remind you of how to do this. 
He, he closes in Philippians chapter two at the end. He gives us the example of what it looks like for us to stay on mission for Christ. If reminding ourselves of his love is not enough and reminding the, the focus of being unified in the church, he says, Christ is our ultimate example. And there's a whole sermon in itself right here. But when we look at Christ, we are reminded that he thinks of others. He thinks of others. Although in the form of God, he did not uh, count equality with God, something to be grasped. So he emptied himself. He, he thought of others more than himself. He came down from heaven, a perfect place with no sin, no pain, no suffering. He chose to do what, 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 what we could not do so that we could have eternal life. If there's anyone who has ever gotten comfortable being uncomfortable, it is Christ. There is nothing you will ever give up for the sake of Christ that he didn't give up more. Christ gives us the ultimate example of what it means to be a servant. Scripture tells us that the Son of Man came to serve and not be served. He is our ultimate example of what it means to serve others. He is our ultimate example of what it means to sacrifice, that Jesus Christ would come and live a perfect and sinless life and go to the cross, take on the wrath of God, take on the sins, our sins, the death that we deserve so that we could have eternal life. He shows us the perfect example of sacrifice. And lastly, he shows us what it means to glorify God. He glorified God with his life. So when we struggle, when we want to give up, when we doubt if we are being effective for church, we have to remember of the love of Christ. We have to remember our example in Christ. And then we live our lives out for the glory of the one who gave it all so that we can live. I pray this morning that if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, I pray that you would turn from your sins and you would trust in him as Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 says it like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. We want to come alongside you. We want to walk with you in the spiritual maturity. We want to teach you about the love of Christ. And then we want to send you out to tell that love story to other people. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you to respond this morning. I don't know what God's laying on your heart this morning, but I know that the Holy Spirit uh, is working in lives. And I understand that according to the Bible, that his word does not return void. And so I don't know what God is speaking to you this morning. Maybe you wanna be a part of this church. Maybe God is dealing with you about something else. Maybe you have felt frustrations with the church and you wanna be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. We are not perfect people. We are imperfect people serving a perfect God. And I pray that we remember that always. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you to respond. Dearly Father, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. I thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. I thank you that your son would empty himself. He would humble himself, that he would come so that we could live. Lord, that for whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I pray this morning, if someone is here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, today would be the day of salvation for them. Not tomorrow, we're not guaranteed for tomorrow, but today is the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for those who have been hurt by the church, those who have fallen away from the church, those who have been frustrated. Lord, that they seek their own relationship with Christ. Lord, that we would be a body of believers that point people to Jesus. We wouldn't be a, a, pot, a body of believers that is trying to manufacture joy or, or, or trying to make joy rigid, but we are trying to point people to Jesus Christ, who is the source of our joy. Lord, I pray now 
This is a time of response that the Holy Spirit is working through this room and that people would respond according to what you have laid on their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and respond this morning.